Hey, this is Jeff Duncan from Armored Saints, and you're listening to Misery Point Radio. Wasteland Warriors, thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. Appreciate you taking a break from reality to hang out with me here in the Matrix. And I want to take a moment to mention that as of two days ago, we have listeners from 87 countries joining us here in the Matrix and listeners from 46 other territories that my host site just doesn't recognize as countries for whatever reason, but still equally badass as far as I'm concerned. I am truly blown away by the immense amount of international support can't thank you all enough you guys are fucking legends and speaking of legends today's guest is definitely a living legend this is someone who's been playing metal longer than many of you have been alive playing in bands like odin dc4 and of course the truly legendary armored saint and if that wasn't enough he's also released an absolutely epic solo album completely bursting with shredtastic awesomeness i'm of course talking about Mr. Jeff Duncan. Jeff and I had a killer conversation, and he caught me up on a ton of stuff, including the status of the new Armored Saint record, his new solo album titled Wanderlust, what's going on with DC4, and some of the awesome people he's had a chance to work with. We also took a quick stroll down memory lane to talk a little bit of history, which included a brief discussion of his time in Odin, as well as the progression of Armored Saint over the years. Jeff even took some time to answer some listener questions, which is always super cool. And if that still wasn't enough, you're also going to get to hear an acoustic version of a classic Armored Saint song and one of the anthems off of Jeff's solo album, Wanderlust. So if you want to know the answers to the really important questions, like what kind of motorcycles Jeff rides, and hear some killer tunes, then stick around and get a true metal edumacation. Now check out this awesome conversation with the insanely talented Jeff Duncan. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for joining me today. Good to be here. Awesome. How's uh, how's things going over in Vegas right now? Oh, it's, you know, crazy times are crazy times, but it's pretty it's pretty mellow here. You know, it's it's not too, uh, you know, too tense. Uh, you know, it's pretty relaxing. You know, it's it's hot here now. In fact, I'm sitting on my patio in the in the Vegas heat, um, but I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. I used to go to Vegas once a year as a conference for my job. And I, I think the thing I remembered the most about it was it was always super nice. But then if you're ever inside and you go outside, that heat just like hits you in the face. Boom, heat wave. It was pretty crazy. Is that what it's feeling like over there right now? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's like 101 or something right now. God damn, dude, that's um, crazy. And it's like 7 yeah. o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hot, hot nights, hot day, hot night. When it's hot, it's hot. You don't get a break. You've kind of been in that area, though, uh, for a long time. Well, I've been out here for about eight years. But, you know, before that, I was I was in L.A. You yeah. know, my my whole life. So awesome. um, I've, I've only lived in L.A. and here, but I've only been here for the past eight years. All right on. Which do you prefer? Um. Well, you know, home is where the heart is, as they say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like it. I really like it here in terms of, 
uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I could make a living playing guitar here, which is great. And I live in Henderson, so it's just a little simpler, you know, less congested, and, uh, which is the two reasons I came out here. I was just tired of how congested LA had become. And yeah. I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to work playing guitar on my downtime. So that's, that's what it's become and that's what it is. So it's really, it's really great. I really, I really like it here. I mean, I prefer it here now than LA, but LA at its time was the best place in the world. You know? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, going back as far back as you do with the industry and in, in your career, I mean, you've, you've, been through some pretty crazy stuff and that whole kind of sunset era really, I think tipped the scales towards, you know, metal in general kind of being more accepted, you know, on a, on a commercial basis. So uh, yeah, you're definitely a part of that whole pile of craziness. Um, well, let's, uh, let's kind of start out by talking a little bit about uh, armored saint. And last I heard you guys had wrapped up or were starting to wrap up production on the eighth album. Um, it was, recorded and mixed as of April this year. Is that still kind of where it stands right now? Well, the, the record's finished. It's completely done. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's in the can, uh, artwork, everything. It's, it's completely finished. So, uh, that'll be released in October. Oh, okay. Is, is there an official date for it? Uh, I don't know exactly, but I know it's October, maybe early October. Yeah. And what, um, who, where was it recorded? Who mixed it? Who did all that good stuff? Um, well, there's a few people involved. Uh, it was recorded, uh, well, Joey, Joey Vera produced it. Oh, okay. Right on. And, uh, we did our guitars, our guitar tracks with, uh, the one and only Bill Matoyer. Oh, the legendary Matoyer. Yeah. I've done a lot of work with Bill. He's a very, very dear friend of mine. Um, and uh, it was mixed by Jay Rustin. Uh, you know, he's done uh, just a lot of things. He's done all the Steel Panther stuff. He's done, uh, what's that band that uh, uh, Corey Taylor has? Um, Slipknot? No, not Slipknot, the other one, the Side Project. Oh, geez, what the hell is that? I don't remember. I can't remember the name, but he's done that. He's just done a ton of stuff, and he's, he's amazing. He did, he mixed The Last Armored Saint, Win Hands Down the last record we did too. He's just awesome. So, you know, some great people involved and again, Joey at the production helm who always does a killer job. He just, he just doesn't want to do the mixing anymore because he gets too close to it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a better idea. I mean, his mixes are always, have always been good, but uh, having somebody else, a fresh set of ears, take the tracks and, and mix them is uh, you just get a better, a better perspective someone who has a fresh perspective and isn't deep in the tracks for weeks on end you know yeah it can get really hard to step away from that sometimes when you're in the middle of it and you just every little thing you feel like i gotta have my hands in that and to let it go to somebody else's right. it can be pretty tough it's pretty awesome that you can have you know one of your own if you will kind of there for the entire process really kind of i guess driving the ship for lack of a better way to put it yeah. Yeah. So it's good to have, um, you know, somebody else come in, especially somebody as great as, uh, as, uh, as Jay is. I mean, he's just so great at separation and I just love his mixes. Stone yeah. sour. That's the best. Stone sour. Stone sour. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have got that in a million years. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so have you uh, have you guys released like an, an album title? Has there been an official announcement with all those fine details? Uh, no, not yet, but there'll be a press release coming soon. Oh, when, when do you think we can expect that? Sooner than later. But <laughs> it just, uh, I just got the uh, press release and looked it over, you know, and uh, so it put it this way. If it's written, it's coming out pretty quick. You guys had been kind of known for, you know, having, uh, you know, quite a quite a bit of a, a distance between albums, but it, it sounded like you guys are really, really super active again. When Hands Down, I should say, came out of the gate like really strong. I think it kind of surprised a lot of people. It was, I don't want to use the word experimental, but there were some different elements in there, I think, that people weren't necessarily expecting. Um, you know, like there was a piano-centered song, and then you had that duet with the female vocus with Pearl, and, you know, you kind of dove into some kind of deeper, more serious lyrics. Um, was there a conscious effort to kind of explore new territory with that album? Well, probably. I mean, you know, something Armored Saint doesn't want to do ever is is make the same record over and over. You know, like one of the one of the more critically acclaimed records, for example, is Symbol of Salvation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't want to do Symbol of Salvation all over again. So it's really important to, to keep just just making good music. I mean, I think it always sounds like Armored Saint, you know, with this the synergy we have together and of course john's voice you know it's yeah. very uh signature voice you know john nobody really sounds like john and he has his own thing you know so um i think it's conscious you know uh but not in an overthinking way yeah uh, just to, just to keep expanding you know writing and all that sort of stuff and, and making it interesting really for us not for any uh reason other than that to be honest it's really just so we stay stay interested and we stay into it and continue to grow as as musicians and create it cre you know creatively and all that so i think it is conscious but it's not a forced thing if i make if i make sense yeah no absolutely um do you think that kind of the reception to win hands down had any effect on the direction you took with the new album that's about to come out? No, I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, the next phase, the next thing, uh, because this record isn't exactly like win hands down either. Uh, I mean, it's heavy. It's armored saint. It's all that good stuff, yeah. but it's not, it's not that album all over again either. I think it has some twisted turns. Uh, that are different from when hands down. Sure. Yeah. So you would have still gone the same direction, even if the prior album had not been well received, or if you guys didn't like it as much, you would have still said, this is where we're going to go with this new album. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of, that's the way it's always been, you know, for example, we did in 2000, we did revelation, which was a pretty uh, hard hitting record. Yeah. And then we did, uh, Later on, we, the next record was La Raza, which wasn't which wasn't really received as well as the others, but that's where we were at the time. Uh, so it was just the next record. So, but but you you know when you make records, you do take account of okay, what did we do that was maybe maybe we went too far another direction, and <laughs> it didn't it didn't really resonate with with the uh, with the diehard fans and and. You know, you got to keep track of that, too. So, you know, you learn and uh, but it was 
but but again, you know, to me, you know, La Raza was it had a lot of sophistication to it, but that was a, an important stepping stone to getting to win hands down. Um, because you know, we don't want to be like a generic metal band. We don't want to be that. You know, Armored Saint has its own sound, its own thing. And I think taking chances is is one of the joys. Taking chances musically is one of the joys of being a part of Armored Saint. Is that you know we're not scared to maybe go over here or go over there, and, uh, you know, and there's all kinds of influences that that we all have. Sure. So, so they're all going to show. You know, we're not just sitting around listening to old Aussie records. You know what I mean? <laughs> we listen to a lot of different music. Do you find yourself when you're writing, um, like saying, you know, I need to surround myself with something different this time around to get into a certain frame of mind or do you just kind of go with the flow and then ideas just kind of pop in and you run with it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you just go with, go with the feeling and something sounds good, but the, but the, you know, the past couple of records, I personally haven't written anything uh, because John and Joey, John and Joey are kind have, of at the core of that. Well, they have just such a good writing thing together for armored saint that they send me demos and I'm like, you know, I've written plenty of my own songs and made a lot of my own records. Right. And so, so my ego isn't really wrapped up in that. It, it's, if it sounds like Arbor Saint and the songs are great, I'm all about it. You know, and I, I just kind of past couple records and we'll see what happens in the future, but the past couple records, I just kind of let go and said, you know what, you guys are on a roll. These songs sound great. Um, you know, the demos that I would get of, of songs, they're just so cool that, I don't feel like, and they're being very, those guys are being very prolific and, and, and creating a lot of really great music. So to me, it's just like, you know, it sounds good. It sounds like Armored Saint. I love it. Keep on going. I don't need to write something just to get a record credit. You know, I don't really care about that. I, I've always been a band guy and I've always cared about the overall, the big picture of the band. So if, if they're coming up with material that's just kicking ass, I, again, you know, my ego isn't wrapped up in that. It's not that I can't write material or write songs, but, you know, if something to me is looking like it's, it's the best thing for the, for the, uh, for the greater good, I'm all about that. Yeah. And I think that's also probably a good reason why for a band that's been around as long as y'all have, there haven't really been a lot of crazy lineup changes uh, tons of drama. I mean, there was the, the, you know, the time at, you know, when John kind of went to work with anthrax for a while and things kind of went on hiatus, but it never really seemed like there was anything that was just overtly negative or bad about the band. You guys always seem like you worked together really well when you had the chances to work together. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we've known each other so long. I mean, especially, you know, John and Joey and Phil and Gonzo. I mean, they've, they've known each other since they were little kids uh, growing up in the same neighborhood. And I met them when I was about 17 years old. So, you know, I, we've known each other for so long since, you know, we were really young. So, and we've, we've done so much touring and things together that, you know, we've all seen the good and the bad and the ugly of each other. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it really is like, it really is like family. It, it truly is, you know, you, you, you're not gonna, you can't fire your brother, you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> how it, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, we do have a good, we just, when we play together, we have a special thing, you know? Yeah. 
Well, you know, going back to, uh, you know, having Pearl as a guest vocalist uh, on, on your album, I was curious if there was a connection between her marriage to Scott, Ian, and John's relationship with Anthrax that helped facilitate the idea of that project even coming into existence. Uh, uh, the, uh, that was um, Full Head of Steam that she sang on. That's the name of that song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, John and Scott remain friends, and Joey plays bass in uh, in the band that uh, uh, Pearl the has. Pearl heads up, yeah. Uh, uh, Motor Sister. So there is definitely a relationship there that's, you know, a friendship. So it, it definitely, you know, ties in, you know, and uh, – I think it was just an idea that, you know, let's have uh, a duet, you know, and I think she killed it on that song. She's a great singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely, definitely ties into that completely. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, there's, it's really funny when you think about it. And I'm, I'm going through and I'm looking at all the stuff you've been involved in and we start to see a lot of names that kind of cycle through quite a bit. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, more of that later. But, you know, people like, like Bill Matoyer shows up and then, You've got just all these people from all over the place uh, in the industry just kind of keep showing up and Dave Ellison and his people. So, um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, as far as the new album comes out, there's there's a trend that I'm seeing a lot of right now, which is especially given the the whole crazy COVID mumbo jumbo that that people are releasing singles as opposed to albums. Do you think you're going to release any singles ahead of the album release? I think so. I think we are. I mean, we're going to put out a full album, right? On. But there'll definitely be one or two singles that come out prior to that, you know. And uh, we're going to shoot a video as well, and all that good stuff. I mean, we're not really too much catering to this current situation because it could change, and uh, you know, hopefully, it changes. Sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are going to we are going to put out a couple singles, but we always have. We've yeah. always done that. And you guys so, have had this mostly in the bag for a while now anyway, so probably before all this even came to pass, you were probably ready to go in some capacity. Um, what's uh, what's the deal with the, the date? I mean, if it's been done for a while, is there a strategic reason behind the timing of the release? Well, not really. I mean, it's, it's kind of the same as it ever was because, you know, the label likes, once you turn in the record, the label likes to have, about three months of lead time to, uh, to uh, create a promotional campaign and uh, all that stuff and set up press and, um, you know, do the, the, the work that'll take to for free promotion and all that. So, and, uh, and then you have, of course, manufacturing and all that. So it's really, it's really not any different than how it's been, been before. It's just that now it's more in the open because of what's going on, you know? So, you know, when hands down, it was, you know, it, the album was done three, four months before it came out. You know? yeah, right on. So it's, it's a, you know, standard formula as far as, you know, once they have it, then they just have to go work all their production magic on it and package it and all that kind of good stuff. Right. And when you turn in the record, too, then you start getting into the artwork and you start getting into the, the liner notes and everybody's thank yous and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, you mentioned videos and I'm, I'm definitely look forward to seeing if there's any videos coming out because I, I like to always check those out, but you guys did a, a video for isolation. That was really cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that had anything to do with, you know, the current situation, but, uh, fitting with the theme of the world, 
But that was really cool. It was a really awesome take on an older song, and it definitely had a completely different feel being acoustic. Um, how did that idea get started? Uh, I think it was Joey's idea to do something just to kind of keep the name out there in that we had just finished the record. And I, I think isolation, because at the time, everybody was locked down. Right. You know, that was, you know, it's it's not so much like that now, but at the time, you know, it was, everybody was had a stay at home order, you know? And uh, I personally thought that sucked. Some people were like, oh, it's been cool. I just been kicking back at home. Like, no, oh, this sucks. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, you know, but um, it just seemed like the right song to do. And plus, that's not a song that we've ever done or this lineup has ever done live before. That was the first time we, you know, this particular lineup has played that song together. Yeah. Ever. Um, I wanted to play it. I wanted to play it live. But the only time I ever played it live was when I was in the band with Dave. Um, but it's never been with me and Phil. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a great video. I, I didn't I mean, that's cool that that's, you know, you kind of you gave it a true live shot <laughs> going going for the first time there. Um, I definitely like that. You know, I, I've seen it a lot. You know, everybody's kind of jamming in their own rooms and at the home studio thing is is pretty awesome. I didn't think I'd like it as much as I do. But now that I see it, um, I'm like, this is this is pretty badass to see people in their own element. Did you feel comfortable doing it that way everybody else being remote and you just with a, some headphones on and hooked into your computer it was definitely a new experience but i did enjoy it i thought it was cool i mean i thought it would i thought something like that would have been cool to do anyway yeah just because it's because it's you know you're right there and it's an acoustic version and it's something we've never done before so i thought it was I, I thought it was really cool. I, I was into the idea. So yeah, it was comfortable. And it, you know, it was those guys. So we know how to play together. Yeah. No big deal. You know, and a great song. I love that song. I've always loved that song. Hopefully we'll throw it in the set when we uh, start doing live shows again. Cause I would really like to. Oh, live shows. It's almost a dream at this point. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, well, we're going to check out that song right now. So here it is, an acoustic version of a classic song from the 1987 album Raising Fear. This is Isolation. Oh, no. 
So in addition, of course, to the Armored Saint stuff, uh, you've got some other active projects going on as well. You've got DC4, which has been going on since the 90s, and of course, your own solo project, uh, Wanderlust. And also a quick shout out to uh, my friend and your friend Keith Morash from Infecting Cells for uh, introducing me to Wanderlust and uh, hooking us up. So thanks, Keith. Uh, So tell us about that project. When did you start it? Uh, Why? What was the idea behind it? Uh, Wanderlust? Yeah. Uh well, that's kind of an interesting story. I started it probably about, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something like that. Um, yeah, something like that. And I, you know, I always wanted to do a guitar record forever. Going back to my early 20s, I wanted to do that. I was really into, you know, of course, surfing with the alien yeah. and, uh, you know, passion and warfare and, and uh, there's actually an album that's kind of under the radar by Tony McAlpine called Freedom to Fly, which is just a beautiful record. I actually know it. Yeah, that's he's he's definitely an unsung hero as far as that goes. He's that guy's amazing. Yeah. And I just always wanted to do something like that. But I didn't do it because I wasn't really ready to do it, because something like that really involves a whole different way of composing songs, because because the guitar is essentially the singer. So I really had to study that and listen to a lot of guitar albums and uh, and, and really just kind of get into that. And then it just kind of got to the point where I'm like, well, I'm going to write some songs and do some demos here at home and see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm 54 years old now. And, you know, at the time I was 53. So it's like, you know, my voice, how I play guitar, my style, my approach is, is what it is. I mean, I'm always trying to expand, of course, and grow as a player. But at this point, you know, it is what it is. I, I play how I play. And um, so I, I was like, screw it. I'll just start writing some tunes. So I did. I made these demos. And so I started taking these demos over to a good buddy of mine out here in Vegas, a guy named Jason Constantine to uh, see he has a stu- uh, better studio than I have. He has a real studio. And I just wanted him to master the demos for me so they'd all be at the same level, you know? Hey, can you master these demos for me? And he's a guitar player and a guitar nut and all that. And um, he was like, so what are you going to do with this? I go, I don't know. I just made these demos so I could see if I could do it. And he just loved the music. He loved the material. And uh, he just offered up his time and his studio to do the record. So let's do the record. Let's just do it. So um, I ended up recruiting a, a really great drummer out here in Vegas, a guy named Alex Papa, and to do the drums. And then we just started, we just started rolling. 
And uh, that's really how it happened. I wasn't planning on putting it out. I just wanted to see if I could do it. <laughs> and once you uh, started, once you kind of got the feeling like, you know, hey, this this might actually work. How many songs had you done before you decided that you wanted to go full steam ahead on that? Well, I, I, I'd, uh, I'd written everything except for, oh. um, except for one song that we added at kind of at the tail end of the record. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was all done, you know, except for the cover of Sleepwalk that's on there, which is a song I love. I always wanted to do, uh, but, um, yeah, it was all, it was all written. And there's one more that I decided I didn't want to use. Uh, but other than that, yeah, the whole, the whole record was, was already written. It was all demoed and everything was written. Oh, that's crazy. So the one that you didn't want to use, was it, you just didn't like it or was it just a space on the record issue? Well, no, because, because I wrote a song at the tail end of the record last minute because we wanted to have more, more music. It was a little short. Um, but no, the song, to be honest, the song that I, that I decided not to do when I listened back to it, it just sounded a little too much like flying in a blue dream. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. You know, it was subconscious, you know, I wasn't trying to be Satriani. There's only one Satriani. We all know that. Right. But, uh, but it was just, I guess it just happened, you know, kind of like when George Harrison got sued for my sweet Lord, you know, he just wrote the song and wasn't thinking about it. it was yeah. Just, you know, that's what I think. I don't think he set out to steal it. It's just, you know, stuff sits in the back of your head and you start creating and, yeah, so when I was said and done, I'm like, yeah, it's a little, and 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 uh, you know, my partner, I worked uh, Jason, who I worked on the record with, he was kind of like, no, it's great, it's great. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear the shit because <laughs> you know it, it is, it's it's too close, it's it's too much, you know, just the the, the melody lines and all that were just too similar to me, and you know, I wanted to kind of, I didn't want to go through that. I wanted to kind of make my own statement. Well, I think that's cool because. Um... You know, back in the day, you know, you had your like your GIT guitar hero guys that were just kind of all over the place. You know, I mean, the whole era of the the instrumentalist, I think, kind of went away for a while. So, I mean, Wanderlust is definitely a perfect fit for fans of, you know, Satriani, Steve Vai, you know, Paul Gilbert, Jason Becker. You know, it's kind of a, a throwback to that. But I think what sets it apart is that it still has in some songs, almost like kind of a thrashy element with some of the rhythms, which I, which I really love tons of shredding kind of power metal and some lighter stuff. So I thought that you had a, a pretty good mix in there and I, I didn't feel like anything was, you know, as a listener, nothing felt like derivative. So now I kind of want to hear that song that you tossed out just because, <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, sure. It'll be a B side to something, right? <laughs> a special release. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's a, uh, when you when you compare kind of your solo stuff to say I don't, just you know like the Armored Saint stuff, did you get a different sense of satisfaction out of it, knowing that this was pretty much a, a passion project rather than kind of a, a band effort? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you know I, I was I got to be my own Spengali, you know, and it was really <laughs> you know it, it was really about expression. It was really just about doing something that I hadn't done before and stretching out as a guitar player and as a writer and as a composer. I yeah. mean, that was really the whole thing behind it was that I was able to do something that I hadn't done before. I mean, I've done 
rock and roll bands my whole life and I love it. I still love it. I'll always love it. Uh, and that, that format of a rock band, you know, uh, it, it's great. It's great. But doing something like this was totally different from that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, the record, you know, like there's a song and it's kind of funky. And then is that Mr. That, Allen? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, funny you mentioned that because I was listening to that today and I was like, God damn, this song is funky. There's horns in it. It's got this really kind of Billy Sheehan style bass playing in it. Uh, yeah, dude, that song is killer. Joey Vera on bass on that. Oh man, it's awesome. Oh, so <laughs> you had a guest, a guest musician from your own, from your own pot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, that song, it just had to have that funky killer bass. It was just that kind of yeah thing. And, and I played a lot of bass on the record myself, but that particular song was like, I need, I need, the funky, cool, great bass playing on this. And, um, and Joey was the guy cause he's just, he's funky as hell and he's awesome. You yeah. know? And so I just hit him to do it and he was nice enough to donate his time and, uh, you know, laid down a killer track for me. Yeah. That's and awesome. It was, it was just right. He was the guy. <laughs> Did you have any other, uh, guest musicians on the album? Um, well, there's a song, there's a little power trio I have out here called Electric Dynamite, and on the song Sleepwalk, it's those guys. Um, my buddies uh, Fritz O'Hara and Michael Masonette, they played on that with me, right on. which is really cool. Um, but uh, And then there's a bass track that uh, Jason, my partner, did, uh, did bass on a track on there. But other than that, it was pretty much just me and Jason and... Jason at the at the console and me playing guitar and bass and Alex's drums. I mean, that was really it. I mean, that whole record was basically done in an apartment. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. The uh, now the release is was kind of a it's kind of a split release, right? I mean, it's it's available digitally as of last year, but the physical hasn't been released yet, correct? No, it hasn't, and it was going to be. But the uh, all this COVID nonsense happened, and it's actually through EMP, right. my deal physically. So um, I, you know, we will put it out. Uh, we will put it out physically. In fact, you just reminded me. I got to call Tom maybe tomorrow. I'll find out what we're doing. <laughs> what's going but, on? Uh, so, yeah, what's happening? <laughs> so the the digital was released by by Down Boys, um, which is you know Eric and Joey from from Warrant. But the physical is, as you said, EMP. Um, so was there some kind of a, a reasoning behind having it go with two different entities or are those entities somehow kind of connected? Uh, well, it's, it's Eric and Jerry, actually. Oh, Jerry. Um, oh, my bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. The re Well, <clears throat> I've known Jerry since before he played bass. I've known him forever. Uh, he's from uh, the same area I am in L.A. And... Um, so he's an old friend and they had their company. And the reason I went with them was, uh, and I could have done everything through EMP, but the reason I went with them is because they actually do uh, TV and movie placement. So with doing a digital deal with them, getting into the, um, you know, getting into the catalog to submit uh, music for TV and movies was part of the deal. Oh, so, so it's it's a real big bonus, you know. So not only is my album 
you know, in that library, but I could keep sending them music for placement. So that was really kind of the incentive to do it was that there was a little extra, you know, a little more meat on the bone as far as what they had to <laughs> offer. But, um, you know, uh, but I would have been fine with doing it with, with EMP, you know, uh, metal blade offered to put it out digitally as well. Yeah. But I, I just thought that, you know, you never know you get, you know, a song placed in a movie or, or a TV or something, uh, that could be, you know, a good thing. So that's why I went, that's why I went with them. And plus Jerry's my old buddy and wanted to do something with him. All right. On, so that's that, cool. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. There was just a little, little something extra to sweeten up the pie in that deal. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Metal Blade because I was also curious. I'm like, with your existing relationship with them, I was just kind of wondering if that had been put out there, if they'd made an offer or if you'd thought about it. But it just sounds like, you know, the route you went just had, I guess, more perks. Yeah, well, they, they did make me an offer and it was a, it was a digital deal. That's that's the because they were doing uh, you could CDs and all that. You know, they were doing uh, CD manufacturing more for their for the kind of the top bands and uh, it's just the way they're doing it. And so uh, I was like, well, then I'll go with down boys on the digital release. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've had a relationship with, with Tom for a little while. So I hit him up about it and he was all about doing the physical release. So uh, yeah, it's kind of unusual because, you know, one's doing digital and one's doing physical, but, uh, and, and, and plus Tom knows, Jerry and Eric very well. And so he's like, yeah, it's one happy family. Great. So it all, it all went, it, it was all pretty simple, man. I was really surprised for, for not even planning to put that record out. It all pretty, <laughs> fell in place pretty quick. Yeah. Have you had a chance at all to play any of that material live? No, but I'm, I'm aching to do that. I'm aching to do that. I actually have the whole band uh, on standby, but I, and I definitely plan on doing at least, you know, a uh, 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 LA show, hopefully, and uh, you know, Vegas show. I definitely do want to play it live. I was planning all that out before all this crap happened. So, <laughs> um, but eventually, yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah. So when the Rona is not a factor, we can expect to at least see some scale of a of Wanderlust live performance there. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I definitely definitely will do that when uh when i can yeah well now that you've got one under your belt do you think you might go down that road again at some point oh yeah i, I will do another one um i mean i'd love to keep making those records you know uh continually i would just love to just keep making guitar records because i really enjoy it it's really fun and it's creatively it's very satisfying for me sure. so uh so you know definitely yeah well, what's uh, what's going on with uh, DC Four? Uh, we put out an album a couple of years ago called Atomic Highway, mm -hmm. uh, and we've been uh, sort of on hiatus for a while. Uh, but um, I've been writing some material for that, and I'm sure we'll do another album, uh, uh, you know, eventually. I just started writing for that, so uh, but but uh, we were on. We, we were on hiatus because we were doing, um, uh, well, Rowan Robertson, he's out here in Vegas too. And he was working on a show out here called rating the rock ball. So he was pretty tied up in that. Uh, it's a, it's a solid, you know, 
five nights a week gig. Oh, wow. So, so he's pretty tied up in that. Um, so it's kind of hard to really do a whole lot. But uh, but we're still very much a band, still together and all that. So we'll, we'll do another album eventually, you know, Yeah. Uh, probably in the new year at some point. It's pretty much just a, you know, a band of brothers, if you will. <laughs> so how is it you guys haven't killed each other yet? That's the real question. Well, you know, people ask me that. And the funny thing about my relationship with my brothers is that we're very close in age. My brother Sean is a year and a half older than me. And my brother Matt, I'm 11 months older. I mean, we're extremely close in age. So, um, you know, we grew up just the three musketeers. I mean, we never, you know, we've never had a, had an issue really. Uh, we're, we're, we really are, you know, like some people will say, Oh, I, I love that guy like a brother. Well, I, I love my brothers like my best friends. I mean, we've always been that way. We're just very close. We're very, um, we don't have, we don't have those kind of problems. You know, it sounds pretty weird, but we just don't, we really get along and we're all very like-minded. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of strange to say that it's weird. You would think that it would be more, you know, <laughs> common, but you see a lot of uh, drama within uh, bands that have tons of family members and you guys manage to keep the camaraderie going. And then Rowan, you guys basically consider him a brother. In fact, that's kind of where the whole DC four name comes from, right? Well, sort of, I mean, there was, there was somebody else. The first, we did an EP and a full album and there was a different guitar player. Uh, a guy named Highland Church, who's a great guitar player, great guy. Um, but he ended up leaving leaving the band. He had some health issues at the time. He's fine now. And he just had to do what he had to do. And it was taking a while. And and we, we had to just, we wanted to keep, we, had, we wanted to move on. And, and uh, I ended up meeting Rowan at this jam that I did. And I, of course, knew who he was. And we, we played together and we really played well together. I'm like, hey, man, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. hey. and, uh, and he was really interested i gave him a cd and uh he really liked it came and jammed and he was basically in the band the first time we jammed we we're like yeah man you want to do this we'd love to have you so, oh yes for sure and that was quite some time ago and we've been together ever since yeah i remember you know he was like uh 16 or 17 or something when he kind of hit the scene coming on with dio at, around you know lock up the wolves era and i remember thinking yeah well, if that motherfucker can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and then now I just sit behind a desk with a microphone and don't really play shows anymore. But but I, I remember that. Uh, yeah, that guy was was that was pretty awesome to see somebody so young, kind of playing with some of the old timers. I, I was super jealous of that at that point. That's pretty badass. Yeah, he's he's a he's a fantastic guitar player and just a great great human being. You know, he really is a, just a great person and. Um, he constantly, you know, just wows me with his guitar playing. It's so effortless for him. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you mad sometimes, but I don't know. You shred pretty good yourself, dude. So, you know. Well, thanks. <laughs> I, I've learned a lot of licks from Rowan, I think. <laughs> nice. So, you know, DC4, I think, um, really kind of a guitar-driven project, but it's probably more, I guess I would say, on the hard rock side of the spectrum versus straight-ahead metal. And I was kind of thinking about this the other day when I was listening to uh, a little bit of uh, Symbol of Salvation and Revelation. You know, Armored Saint really 
never changed their formula with like when the the grunge alternative movement kind of shifted the direction of metal kind of back in the the early 90s things kind of started moving towards you know what became known as like the seattle sound or the alternative movement you know with like your your sound gardens and in your nirvanas and all that kind of stuff armored saint kind of stayed the course where a lot of bands like you know sanctuary for instance were kind of really pressured by the labels to kind of move into a a different direction. Um, I, I think DC four really kind of, it seemed like naturally just kind of encompassed all of that stuff and still maintained a, a really straight ahead, hard rock and edge. Did you guys feel any pressure during that time to adapt to the swing in the industry? No, no. I mean, I do, you know, I do pretty much most of the writing for that. And, and I never have thought about that stuff, you know, because by the time you, you know, if, if, if you're writing for a trend, what happens is you spend time writing and then you make a record. And by the time it comes out, the trend is over. And Absolutely. You yourself and you wasted your time, you know. So I've always been, you know, a hard rock guy, you know, a metalhead. I've always been that. And that's that's what I like to play. So I, I never even considered something like that. You yeah. know, I, 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 just, I just never did. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I don't want to like, uh, be sworn to playing '80s rock forever, either. You know, <laughs> so it's really just about evolving and taking in new influences and uh, uh, doing that sort of thing. And you know, and I'm a huge, huge Beatles guy. And with DC4, I mean, if you listen to a lot of those songs, there's definitely some of that, those types of chords and all of that in there. Yeah. Uh, which which makes it a little, uh, you know, which makes it different, you know. It's, so it's just about it's just about writing you know the best songs as possible and not really thinking about what type of music it is but if i'm writing it it's going to be it's definitely going to be you know uh hard it's going to be you know hard rock and it's going to have some balls to it <laughs> yeah and you pull vocal duties too so there is another outlet for you to kind of do something different all, all your projects have really very distinctive flavors to them um i imagine that there's probably a, a pretty satisfying sense of you know creativity that you get from being able to do all of that yeah well any band or you know musicians that you play with is going to kind of is going to kind of um tell you you know it's going to kind of reveal itself what it is you know what i mean yeah so it kind of takes on a life of its own based on the players involved so, um, you know, again, it's not really anything preconceived. It just kind of reveals what it is yeah. uh, just by, you know, who's involved. Like some bands, you know, they change members they'll change one guy. And, and now the formula is different. Now that could be better or that could be worse. And it could be one member. Yeah. Um, that's just how it goes. So if you have the right guys, try to keep them. Well, you kind of brought it up uh, earlier, kind of before we got on the air, but um, uh, with Odin, <laughs> a couple of years ago, there was a reissue of uh, Don't Take No for an Answer, as well as Fight for Your Life, I believe. How did you feel about those reissues? Were you on board with that, or was that just something that happened and you found out about it after the fact? Well, EMP put out the, uh, the reissue of Don't Take No for an Answer, um, we talked about doing fight for your life, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, I was on board with it. Um, you know, it came up as far as re-releasing the vinyl and, 
that sort of thing. And I, I was all for it. You know, I think that's a really good album. I yeah. think it's, uh, it's a little bit of an unsung record. I think it's really <laughs> good. It was, a, it was a definitely a time when we were in our prime as a band and I, I was definitely on board with it and excited to do it. When you listen to those songs again, does it kind of make you nostalgic and want to put on your spandex and tease your hair up a little bit and kind of bring the whole scene back? No, <laughs> no, but no. we did do, we did do some, uh, I think it was 2003. We did our first reunion show and we did some after that, uh, a couple of years ago, I think was our last one we did. So we did get back together and do some reunion shows in, in LA and they went real well and it was fun to play the old songs and, uh, and a lot of people came out, you know, we had a very loyal following yeah. in our day and, and, you know, the shows did great. And, uh, but then it was just, it was time to say, okay, we did that. Good. I'm glad. Cause you know, like some bands, I mean, that band ended when it ultimately ended, it didn't necessarily end on a good note. <laughs> so it was, you know, with the exception of me and me and my brother, of course, we didn't have a problem with each other, but, um, you know, it was just kind of weird. There were a lot of things, young, young bands, you know, all kinds of doing all kinds of stupid things that interferes with the band. So anyway, when we reunited in 2003, we were able to kind of just bury all that and say, you know, let's just play some music and see if the fans come out. And, and it was great. You know, it was, it was really good. And, uh, you know, it was cool because we just got to be Odin and not be worried about getting signed and not worry about this and not that. It was just about the band and the songs. And, and that's really what it always was anyway. And those four guys, you know, so it was nice to revisit that and, and just do it with a clean slate and put a period on it. But it was more of an event like, Hey, let's just do this for shits and giggles and, you know, maybe a little promotion, but it was never intended to be a, a we're back kind of a thing. No, no. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, making a record would come up and, there was like this little EP that we did attempt to record, but I didn't really like it. <laughs> um, and it's pretty much buried, but, um, uh, no, I mean, there was talk about, uh, you know, doing an album and all that. And I was like, you know, no, I, why, you know, what are we going to do? Go on tour. We're not going to go on tour. We're not going to, you know, we were never a national band. We were, we were, uh, we were, a uh, LA sensation. Yeah. And that, that's as far as it went, which, you know, led to was part of what led to the band finally, uh, ending was that we couldn't get out of LA and get you know, an armored saint came around and I was like, Hey, I'm going to go do this. So, uh, so, you know, to just to get back together and do it for, for fun and, and have the shows be packed and do real well was just a nice way to, we got to, we got to end it again in a good way, you know, instead of leaving it all tattered and, and, with all this weird stuff, you know, we got to re revisit it and end it as friends and, and, uh, as grownups really. Yeah. No, that's awesome, dude. What was it like? I'm curious. The first time you guys said, let's actually go out and just, let's just play a show. How did it feel for you guys to all kind of relive that stuff together after so long? Oh, you know, it was great. I mean, me and uh, Sean and Aaron, the bass player, we we pretty much learned how to play rock and roll together. So so we have a very um, you just can't beat that. You know when you learn when you're playing with guys who you learned how to play rock and roll with. You know 
we we know what the guy next guy is going to do and just have a very special thing when we play together uh so it, it clicked immediately i mean there was really no no problem i mean we remembered the songs it was it was great you know <laughs> it, it just felt like it always felt it felt you know like we're supposed to be playing together so it really wasn't a uh it really wasn't and and randy too it was just it was great that's awesome to hear i i recently jammed with some friends that i played with like 25 years ago and it was a bad idea from the start and we got together and none of us remembered any of the stuff. <laughs> so it, did, <laughs> it didn't start well and it didn't end well. So uh, yeah, props to you guys for, for pulling it off and, and ending it on awesome terms and having actually still something to remember after the fact and say, yeah, this, this is still something we could do, but you know, we just left it on a note that's uh, on a, on a, on a note of positivity yeah we got to give it the respect we felt it deserved you know when all was said and done nice a good send-off yeah it's, uh, it's crazy how how odin has achieved such a i don't know can you say cult status i would say it's it's still the band is still pretty widely recognized uh still pretty popular you know the releases were so long ago but uh, like i said it still pops up in my feeds and i'm you know lots of mentions in kind of the old school metal magazines uh do you do you look at that and go, I don't get it? Or do you look at that and go, yeah, dude, that's badass? <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's kind of both because, you know, I think there was a window of time where we were, we were, we were a great band. Um, and we were a really big band in L.A. I mean, we, we were. I mean, we sold out every time we played. We were very popular. Uh, but the fact that we never got out of L.A is kind of strange that there's so many people, you know, in the country or even, you know, overseas who know who that band is. It's just, it's pretty weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> there was always that, that dichotomy, you know, versus like, a how the band looked versus how the band sounded. Um, I always thought that Odin was a pretty heavy band and, you know, kind of got into, I think, heavier territory than say the, the, the counterpart LA bands, you guys had kind of like a really power metal fates, warning leather wolf, Queens, kind of a sound versus more of the traditional, you know, sunset glammy sound. Yeah. And I think that was part of um, what prevented us from getting any further was that I think labels would come to see us. I mean, a lot of labels came to see us because we were drawing, you know, sell out band over and over. But, you know, it was kind of one of those things of, well, what do we do with these guys? You know, they they have this, like, 80s rock star look, but, they, but they're really heavy and <laughs> got this screeching high singer, and you know. So, but that was who we were, you know. We weren't going to change that. It, that's who we were. Yeah. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, timing and, you know, there are a lot of things you could say, you know, why it didn't but bottom line is that is that it didn't but uh you know like you were mentioning you know years later when people are saying you know when, when the name is out there and people recognize it as something that matters or it did matter it's pretty cool because you know when that when that band ended i walked away from it i don't want anything to do with it anymore ever again <laughs> i was i was in i, I joined arbit state i was moving on and that was that you know? yeah um so yeah, it is pretty, it is pretty cool, you know, just that, you know, this little band, you know, people still know about it. 
it's pretty weird. Yeah, it's pretty rad. Well, I, uh, I know we've covered a lot of ground today, and if it's okay with you, I've got a couple of uh, listener questions that I'd like to fire off at you. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, so this one's from Phil Dodd. Phil wants to say that uh, Armored Saint has played with bands from all over the metal landscape, Sepultura, Overkill, Suicidal, Scorpions, and obviously tons more. What is it about Armored Saint that allows you to fit in with all of those bands? I think Armored Saint has a, has a a good blend of melody and heaviness, and uh, you know, like for example, I mentioned John Bush earlier. You know, he's a true vocalist. I mean, he's world class in my opinion. Um, but he sounds tough. You know, it's not just this guy who's la la la. I mean, he sounds tough, but he's a great singer. And there's a lot of melody in Armored Saint, a lot of musicality in Armored Saint, but at the same time, it does have a very heavy vibe, uh, heavy music. So I think that has worked to our advantage that we can that we can do that. You know, we can go out, and, you know, we toured with Dio and, you know, we've toured with Metal Church and we've got, you know, got a lot of different, played with a lot of the Saxon, a lot of different, different bands. And, you know, not to mention the European festivals, you know, you could, I remember one time we went on and it was, uh, Morbid Angel played, and then we played, and then Extreme played, and you know it was seamless. You know it wasn't. That's part of how Europe is too. But uh, I think that's the reason. I think it's the combination of melody and 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 you know being a real thumping heavy band. Yeah, that makes that work. Yeah, I would definitely like to see the Morbid Angel Extreme tour. Uh, that would be a good one to check out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was a one-time deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for the question, Phil. Uh, let's see. This one's from Gus Varner. Are you still playing with Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses? Um, I haven't, um, although he did a solo album uh, recently, and I played a couple of guitar tracks on there for him. And I did his solo. I played on his solo album before that, too. And he actually did a little bit of keyboards on the new Armored State record. Oh, right on. Um, but uh, yeah, he hasn't. He's been doing that hookers and blow on the side. But you know, when the Guns and Roses thing, the Slash and Duff and everything happened, he got pretty busy. So because um, that was that's really big. Uh, but uh, you know, we still talk, and I just talked to him probably about a week ago. But. Um, I'm sure we'll play we'll play together again, but currently no. Right on. So doors still open, but nothing actively in the works at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we will. You know, we love playing together. Okay. Uh, this one's from Mike James. Uh, this kind of goes back to I think a little bit of old, well, clearly old Armored Saint history, but uh, says curious if Armored Saint ever considered bringing on another singer when John was doing the Anthrax thing. No, no, that that never that that was never even considered, not once. Yeah, just that John's part of the sound and uh, just kind of that's that's the band was all of you guys, right? Well, you know, it's like the only way you could pull that off is to get somebody who like sounded like John, you know. And, we just it just didn't make sense you know it, it was it wasn't even a question yeah 
in fact, I mean, we never even officially broke up. It just ended, you know. And when we did Revelation in 2000, John was still in it. But uh, no, that was never, ever a consideration. Cool. All right. Last question. Hey, Jeff, what kind of motorcycles do you ride? Hmm. I don't ride a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is no motorcycles. I don't know where that came from, but hey, apparently he thought you you rode some bikes. So, uh... no, 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 no. In fact, uh, it was probably late 80s. I was on a bike. I was on the back of a bike and had an accident. Oh, shit. Um, and, And my friend who was riding the bike got injured pretty badly. And I got endowed right over the top of the car that we hit landed pretty much on my head and i had a mild concussion and i was kind of laid out for a couple weeks um and after that i just wasn't into motorcycles (laughs) yeah that'll do it for you yeah you know it was that realization that oh between between the bike and the pavement is me no (laughs) not into that or what's left of you at this point right yeah and you know once i took a spill like that i was like i'm not into this well, you know, as we get older, sometimes the uh, the daredevil in us just decides to uh, kind of go by the wayside. That's at least where I'm at in life. Yeah, plus, you know, I don't do anything that endangers my arms or my hands. Oh, yeah, right. That's your that's your source of income. So enjoy. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Let's not forget the passion, right? So, well, awesome, brother. This has been super cool. Uh, I'd like to wrap this up for you. Um, if you would just give us kind of a, a quick timeline, what can we expect next from you? What should we be looking forward to here within the next couple of months? Well, you know, the next thing I got coming up is the, is the new Armored Saint release. Okay. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of really all about that right now. And I'm writing some music and, uh, I don't think anything will come out from me before the Armored Saint record does, comes out. Um, but uh, there will definitely be more stuff. There'll be there'll be another DC4. I'll do another guitar record. Uh, so, uh, you know, until I physically can't do it anymore, I'll just keep going. What the hell else am I going to do? <laughs> not ride motorcycles. <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> well, if people want to check out all of your awesome music, uh, how do they find you on uh, social media and on the interwebs? Well, I'm all over there. I I have an artist page, Facebook. I have a personal page, Facebook. I'm just Instagram. Um, I'm not hard to find. Right on. So just uh, just look up Jeff Duncan, and, and you'll pop up there somewhere. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today and out of your busy schedule. I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing your new stuff coming out, new Armored Saint. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to physical release of Wanderlust and, you know, whatever else you got coming. I think that uh, the world's going to be definitely excited to, to check out all the cool stuff that you have to offer. So thank you again for hanging out today on Misery Point Radio. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been a great, great talk. Yeah, I'd say that was pretty epic. I'm sure you'll all agree with me. Thanks, of course, to all of you out there in radio and podcast land for listening. And another huge thanks to Keith Morash from Infecting Cells PR for hooking it up. Don't forget to follow Misery Point Radio on all the social media and streaming platforms. Like, subscribe, share, leave some comments, buy some merch. I truly do appreciate all your support. 
And make sure you support all the artists that come on the show to share their awesomeness as well. And now, here it is, the title track from Jeff Duncan's epic debut solo album. This one's called Wanderlust. <laughs> 